Today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. This is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News. I'm Trey Glens Phillips. Tens of thousands of Haitians are fleeing to shelters as the country of Haiti is overrun by violent criminal gangs. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. If you haven't already, as we say every day, why haven't you gone ahead and subscribed to this show? Uh, Give us a rating, share it with your friends and family, uh, and send us your thoughts. Our email is quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. You can also contact us at cbn.com forward slash Quick Start Podcast. Joining me today is Billy Hallowell. Billy, how you doing? I mean, this week has just melted away and we are eyeing the weekend. I am doing well. I know. You know, when I look at our notes and I see what day it is, I'm like, wait, really? Is it already? It's already Thursday or Friday or whatever day it is. How do you blink and the week is gone? Um, I don't know. I guess not having Dan made it go so much faster for some reason. It's strange. That must be what it is. He's off on a ski trip in the dead of summer. Um, so, but anyway, uh, we're going to get through it without him. He'll be back next week. Uh, so for the main thing though, we're going to talk about the chosen. So the chosen is the first multi-season series uh, about the earthly life of Jesus. And it's impacting not just those who see it, but also those who star in the show. And one of the series popular cast members has actually come to Christ because of his role in the series. Uh, So we'll talk about that because it's a, a fascinating and incredible testimony, really. Uh, But first, we're going to get to the news in 90 seconds. The nation of Haiti is being overrun by criminal gangs raping, killing, and starving its population. Haitian police have failed to stop the violence, so citizens are resorting to vigilante justice as Haiti spirals into its biggest crisis in more than a decade. In recent weeks, 165,000 Haitians have been forced to flee from their homes after gangs went on a killing and raping spree, and the displaced civilians have only ended up suffering even further uh, in their makeshift camp. In a story from CBN's George Thomas, one shelter manager said, We live in misery. We can't find food. There is no drinking water. We don't live like humans. We are humiliated. Uh, So there's certainly a whole lot to be praying for there. And here in the U.S., our airways are descending really into chaos as major storms cloud the skies, causing thousands of flights to be canceled or delayed for extended periods of time. For example, in the Northeast, there were more than 2,000 cancellations and 7,000 delays on Tuesday of this week alone. While the FAA blames the severe weather, airlines blame the FAA for a lack of staffing. United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby said in a statement, the FAA reduced the arrival rates by 40% and the departure rates by 75%. And looking ahead to Independence Day next week, extreme heat in Texas and smoke from Canadian uh, wildfires are returning, and that could add to the travel problems as the holiday weekend approaches. In other news, the U.S. Capitol Police are asking for a major budget increase. As the 2024 election campaign ramps up, so do the concerns over political rhetoric, possibly possibly leading to threats against candidates, lawmakers, and other public figures. For context, the number of threats has surged 400% over the last six years, and Capitol Police maintained that in order to fulfill its duty to keep Congress safe, it's going to require an updated model of law enforcement. 
Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger told CBN, the old approach to member security has been replaced by the need to protect members' environments as well as members' families, both in Washington, D.C. and in their homes. Uh, So that's also a concerning story and something that we'll keep looking at. But those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories like that uh, at cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. Billy, this story out of Haiti is, it's really just heartbreaking. I mean, what do you make of the situation there? You know, Haiti cannot catch a break, right? I mean, it's just, there's one thing after another and your heart goes out and it really breaks for these countries that have persistent poverty, persistent government brokenness and persistent chaos. And and Haiti would be a country that I think really fits that mold. And so we need to be praying for them, but it's just, it's unimaginable to me and it's because we, you know, we enjoy living here in America that you have nations where this level of chaos is unfolding in a day to day. I mean, we have crime in America. We have certainly have our issues, but to have a systemic, systematic issue that is that pervasive is deeply, deeply tragic. Well, and and also to not know who you can trust, right? Because so often the government officials are intermingled with some of these gang affiliates, and it's like, how can I? Who do I go to if I if I'm being attacked or my town has been uh, pillaged or you know whatever your situation is, you can't really run to your police because you don't know are the police working in tandem with some of these uh, some of these violent offenders you just don't know i remember in 2013 when i um uh, when i went to el salvador on a mission trip uh, we got that briefing ahead of time was you know if you get pulled over by police it's possible you might get a good police officer. It's also possible you might get a corrupted one who's willing to essentially hold you for a ransom. It's like, well, I won't give you a ticket or I won't arrest you or take you in because I know you're a foreigner. I won't do that if you go and give me cash. And I imagine that on steroids in Haiti. So that has to be a terrifying reality to know that there's not really anybody you can completely trust other than your own loved ones. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, oh, there's one or two bad apples in the bunch. You don't know how many there are. You have no idea. There may only be one or two, or it may be, you know, half the police force or half the military. And, you know, when you start to lose the structures that, you know, make up a country and they start to fall, that's a very dangerous thing because you think about even just general public safety. Somebody breaks into your house, the things that in America, you know, you call 911, you get help, you don't know who's coming, right? Like, it's just, it is, it is really deeply, traumatizing. And that's why, and I don't just say that lightly, we really need to be, if you've got a prayer list, get your prayer list out, write Haiti down, pray for the leaders there and all the people, because it's a heartbreaking situation. And also on the flip side, you know, write down a praise, right? That we live in a country and we complain about the government all the time. I know we kind of dog the government here um, sometimes on the podcast and for good reason. There are a lot of issues, but um, also we should be really grateful for our first responders and that infrastructure that we can call 911, that our taxpayer dollars are going to fund getting an ambulance here to our house or getting a police squad uh, to wherever we are if we need help. So uh, that's something that we should certainly be grateful for that we do have that infrastructure that to at least when it comes to that uh, we can generally trust our police and we can trust uh, that that infrastructure is going to be there for us in most situations and that's a that's a huge blessing absolutely absolutely and i think being grateful is a lost art you know it's so easy for all of us to complain i, I we've got to do that we've got to remember that and that's another thing throw it on the prayer list of gratitude right i don't i often yeah. Pray about the things I need. I don't often pray about the things I'm grateful for. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. Pray for the things that you need and also be grateful for the things that you have um, uh, is an important lesson there. So, all right, we're going to shift to the focus story today. So, uh, Billy, Americans have strong views on exposing kids to drag queens and LGBTQ issues. I can understand why. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, you know, this is interesting. And, and we have to, you know, I, I have to caution people when you ask survey questions, the way you ask them matters, right? And these issues are deeply complicated. You have multiple layers. But one thing seems pretty clear when you start bringing kids into the mix, people in America, American voters who have very strong opinions on this really, really do step out and they have no fear, apparently, of explaining what those opinions are. Uh, there's a couple of surveys that are out one is from summit.org and McLaughlin Associates. And that particular survey found that 61% of voters who have a view on this subject matter believe that exposing kids to this sort of content, right, transgenderism, drag shows, LGBTQ themes, that this actually hurts their emotional and psychological development. So that's the majority, 61%, 39% see it as beneficial to children. Um, so interesting numbers there. Uh, but the majority of voters with an opinion on the issue, um, this would be 63% of those, also believe that there is a cultural agenda. Um, so that means that, again, the majority see a cultural agenda afoot when it comes to these efforts to expose kids to transgender themes or drag shows or other LGBTQ issues. And so that's that's interesting. And again, you got to look at the other side of that. Almost 40%, 37% believe that this sort of exposure is being done in an effort to help children. So in, interesting dynamics there, but you do see the majority of the country coming down when it comes to kids a, a little bit harder on some of these issues. It's good to see people coalescing right on this issue and and from from different perspectives coming to realize the problems here. It should be alarming though that the numbers aren't higher than in the 60s range. I mean, you would think that it would be 70s, 80s, even uh, hopefully 90-something percent of, of Americans seeing a problem with it. Um, but the numbers are shifting and the trend is changing uh, as we've talked about a lot. I know you've covered this issue a whole lot, Billy, but what do you think is driving this? What's the undercurrent that's moving this and moving us in this direction? You know, there's a lot happening in culture right now, right? Bud Light, Target. I think that, you know, it's intriguing that a lot of these things are sort of unfolding during Pride Month, because normally this is a time when brands go all out um, you know, for the LGBTQ cause, and yet you have people really pushing back. I think you know, I think there's uh, there's a moment where people might overplay their hand on some of these issues, and I really do think the children bringing kids into it is what has tipped the scales on this. I think for a lot of people, they're willing to look the other way or ignore things even if they disagree with them. But when you start talking about exposing kids to this content or transitioning children, you are going to have visceral, heavy-duty reactions from people, and I think that's what we're watching. And that is then making its way into the broader conversation about these LGBTQ issues, right? Because it's so shocking to some of these families and individuals that this is happening. You know, there's one more survey that I meant to, to mention, and I'll throw it out here. Uh, but they, there was also a majority saying that they, you know, 62% in a separate survey, basically saying that they think companies should remain neutral on these cultural issues. And that's interesting, too. You've got a majority now saying, you know what, maybe you shouldn't take a stand, uh, but glad 
you know, which is which is an LGBTQ organization. Glad put out a study earlier this month. They had collected the data on from February, and that data found 70% of the country saying, hey, you know what? You know, these companies should support LGBTQ people through advertising and sponsorships and hiring practices. And so it makes you wonder, did things change from February to now? Because we're mm-hmm. seeing some different numbers. And again, I think it's the the child transitions and those issues driving some of this. So last week I was just in, I was in, when I was on vacation, we were visiting West Palm Beach, Florida area, and we were at a really big mall there. And I remember in years past when I've been there, or I mean, really any shopping center, right? You see the big store windows and all of the rainbow stuff everywhere, all the pride stuff everywhere at the checkout counter. They've got stuff. They're asking you if you want to make a donation to LGBT organizations before you check out with whatever you're purchasing. Uh, So all of that is usually kind of ramped up really, really high. Uh, There was still some of that of course, but it was much much more watered down than it has been in years past. And I think some of that is because of the controversies you alluded to, Billy, the Bud Light situation, uh, the Target issue, which we've which you've covered and talked about over at uh, CBNnews.com. You can find out more on that. Um, but I want to ask you just for for your general thought, like your temperature on this issue, do you think that this shift is something that's here to stay? Or do you think it's just a reaction and we're going to go back to being uh, very pro-LGBTQ as a culture uh, moving forward? I think that really depends on what people are going to do, right? How is the left going to respond to this? Because right now, these numbers are not only shocking, they're very, you should, if you're a democratic strategist right now, you should be alarmed. If you're a progressive, you should be alarmed looking at this. I would mention to you, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Gallup, again, finding that Americans have become more socially conservative than they've been since at least 2012. So these are shifts that are happening. Um, You know, whether or not it it stays, I think really depends on how the other side deals with it. If people are going to dig in their heels on this and say, well, you're all just bigots if you don't agree with transitioning children, I think you're going to see some of this stay if people back away from it and change their strategy, I think you'll see people become pretty apathetic and slide right back into those, you know, previously friendly viewpoints on it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So this is a story that's going to keep going. It's going to keep cropping up and we're going to continue to cover it. But thank you, Billy, for breaking down that focus story for us. And we're going to shift into the next segment of the podcast. So The Chosen, which, as I said at the top, is the first multi-season series about the earthly life of Jesus. It's impacting not just the lives of those who see it, but also those who star in the show. One of the series' popular cast members, in fact, has come to Christ exclusively, really, because of his role in the hit show. Uh, He met the Holy Spirit and was, of course, impacted profoundly by Jesus because of of seeing Scripture played out literally uh, on the screen and in his daily life as he's acting out uh, the role of Zebedee. So the actor's name is Nick Shakur. Uh, We spoke with him about his conversion to Christianity for today's main thing. Uh, I grew up, you know, quote-unquote Christian, uh, my grandfather was a Greek priest in Beirut, Lebanon, where I was born originally, and we immigrated here when I was about six and a half. That's the voice of Nick Shakur, the actor who plays Zebedee in the hit series The Chosen. We recently had the chance to catch up with him, not just about the show, but about his incredible conversion to Christianity, really as a result of his role in the series. Listen to him talk about his background. So I always grew up with God. Um, I just wasn't very understanding of the relationship aspect of it completely. And so 
when I showed up to set, uh, I'd been living in LA for quite some time and had experienced a roller coaster of a journey there that had, um, I believe, I had allowed to start to separate me away from God. So by the time I booked The Chosen, I, I had a conversation with God and I told him, uh, you probably don't even exist because if you did, you wouldn't have allowed all these different sorrows and tribulations to happen to me while I was here. And so I, I show up to set and I just automatically felt like the air was hugging me. And at the time, I didn't know that, you know, that, that was a Holy Spirit, but it's it was so disarming that I thought, okay, well, this is this seems like it's different than and other productions I've I've been on and not that they were all bad in LA there's wonderful people and you know some some were better than others um but generally I had great experiences generally speaking but this was just you know to use the word different it was it was different and so being on the show started to pique my curiosity again into okay I'm around all these believers and they they seem to approach God differently than what I've been brought up with. And um, they sort of remind me of being around my grandfather a little bit. Uh, he was genuinely connected to God. Uh, and uh, and that, that started to, to pique my curiosity. At another point in our conversation, Nick actually spoke about how he sees the Lord as having used the chosen to draw him to himself. It's funny, I, I've been telling people the show's been a conduit in hindsight to get me here. Um, one of our uh, construction uh, blueprint designers, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Seth, he had invited me to their church conference this past September on the 19th and he said, would you come? And I kind of, you know, I was standoffish at first and then eventually my heart said, no, you should go. And I find myself there with nine people praying over me with their hands over me and my body's completely caught in flames. And then I felt like I was dunked in an ocean and taken out and literally as they say you know from resting on you to resting in you is what i'm i'm learning about everything post encountering god all the like you know the technicalities of it um and it's it's uh it's changed everything our conversation comes as nick and his fellow castmates are working on filming season four of the chosen expected to debut sometime in early 2024 well, Nick Shakur, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your faith journey. And that leaves us time for just one last thing. We're going to look at Psalm 23, 2. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I think, what a breath of fresh air that verse is when we're thinking about and dealing with the complexities of this life. It's like, uh, I can relax and know that God is not only in control, but he's also a comfort to me and a balm to us in times of, of stress and uncertainty. Yeah, you know, you think of, I think of choppy waters when life is chaotic, and then those words, still waters, it brings such a peace, right? When you see water that is still and calm, and it just reminds you of what he can do in our own hearts when we're feeling those tides and we're feeling those waves crashing inside of ourselves that we can really lean in to get that peace. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have for today's episode of the Quick Start Podcast. Uh, if you want more news from a Christian perspective, one, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating. Uh, send us your comments, your questions uh, to quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. And also check out the CBN Quick Start email newsletter. Uh, you can get all the information for that over at cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. At Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we will be back here 
tomorrow. God bless.